much to be with you all again this morning. Um, you see that Marie's here. It's been, Mark mentioned it. I told her that, I, I sensed that she was thinking about coming. And I told her that I would do my best to make it possible. I would skip Sunday school, if that made it more possible. And I would actually preach a shorter sermon. Now you all need to pray for me. <laughs> and I want to thank you all for your prayers on our behalf, and especially for Marie. Uh, most of you are probably aware that I actually contracted COVID. I had two positive tests, so I'm pretty sure I had it, at least what somebody thinks COVID is. And she was able to, we lived in the same house, and she was able to come through without getting COVID, and that is a miracle. We believe, and we believe that was an answer to prayer. So thank you very much. Now we did try to act responsibly. It didn't feel responsible, but we actually—I lived upstairs and she lived downstairs, and we didn't eat together and we wore masks. And it didn't feel very responsible as a couple, but I did what we did what we could to help help her, and we thank God that He answered our prayers that she not get it. And we hope that continues that she is spared. I did miss being here, and I'm not going to say it's too loud in case she hears me say it, but I miss being here for Sunday school. Uh, one of the lessons that I enjoy thinking about how God works to build up the temple. But you know, my, the message I have this morning, I believe, maybe will follow that in sequence in that we're going to talk about the material God uses to build the temple this morning. The message this morning is to be a little different than, than often is. As I was studying and reading over the past weeks and maybe longer, something kept standing out to me in scripture that I thought, I need to, I need to understand this better. And it was the phrase, the will of God. It kept showing up, the will of God or his will. And I thought, what is his will? What is his will for my life? Am I honoring the command or the, the invitation to conform to the will of God. What does that mean? And I wish I could tell you this morning, I'm going to deliver you a, a message that's got it all figured out. It's all clear cut and you'll have all the answers to it before you leave, but I'm not going to do it this morning. The fact is, I'm going to take a different approach this morning because I began to look into the word to see how much reference was made and where it would take me. And it's, it's an almost endless reality to investigate. And so this morning I plan to take 1 Timothy's admonition, the admonition to Timothy and 1 Timothy to neglect not the reading of the word. So you're going to hear a lot of the word of God this morning. And I'll make a few comments, but I want you all to be connecting the dots in your hearts, your minds, reaching out the spirit for for being directed in, in your worship and in your understanding of God's message to you this morning. I have a, an outline. Now, this is an interesting way of doing it, but I'm going to give you a number of points to an outline. And I'm not categorizing the message and reading the scriptures at, as it, uh, verbatim for where they fit in the outline. But I'm going to give you these points to ponder and think about 
while I read the scriptures to you. I have nine or ten. I say that because a couple came to me as I crossed the mountain this morning. Uh, I, I didn't get finished in my list, and it's not complete even then. Now, for whatever it's worth, the number ten stands for completeness, so that's my best attempt at being complete. <laughs> Got the right number, but there's a lot more than what I'm going to share. The first, the first point I want us to think about, and, and by the way, I hope I get finished in time that I can give you opportunity to to share with us some more points to this outline that you understand that registered with you this morning. And so, as it relates to God's will, I have these written down. That mankind would have a relationship with him. That's God's will. That mankind would love him. That everyone would experience salvation. That everyone would receive his spirit. That the saints would love each other. Number six, that the saints would take on his righteousness or demonstrate his character by his grace. Number seven, that saints would know his will well enough to ask for the things God wills so they can become reality on earth as they are in heaven. Number eight, that Christ would have a perfected bride, the church, to come for. Now, those are the ones I had written down. As I came across the mountain, I realized there was another that's in focus, and that is that we would be able, through suffering, to glorify God. And I'm going to read some scriptures to that, to that end. And then the tenth one, now it eludes me, so you all can guess what it is. And maybe you can share with me what that is at the end. I was thinking there were two that I came up with, but I just shared the one that comes to mind now. And so I've copied out these verses and made notes on the, uh, with them so that I could sh um, share some things. I would encourage you to follow along in Scripture with your Bibles if you can. But I won't be turning to every one. Some of these passages I will turn to, but uh, I'll read some of them from a paper. The first one is, is just one verse. It's when Jesus was asked to teach his disciples to pray, he gave them what we call the Lord's Prayer. And in that prayer, he says, Thy kingdom come, of course he's, he's speaking to his Father, which art in heaven, who is hallowed, respected, honored. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so he was teaching us to pray that continually. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And then in Matthew, we have him illustrating and representing that truth in his own experience. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, it says he went away again the second time. Uh, this is Matthew 26, 42. And he went away the second time and prayed saying, Oh, my father, if this cup may not pass from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. Submission. Surrender. And by the way, that's number 10. I just thought of it. That we learn and understand how submission glorifies God. Surrender. Dying to self. And he illustrated that here in the garden 
Jesus died twice. He died to his will in the Garden of Gethsemane, and then he died in his physical body on the cross. And actually, the second one wouldn't have happened if the first one wouldn't have happened. And the same is true with us. Unless we're willing to die to our will and allow God's will to prevail in our lives, we're not going to be able to fulfill the God's will on earth as it is in heaven. Now, what is God's will? God's will is, is his plan, his design, his desire for the realities that he wants to happen. What's our will? It's our design, our desires, the things that we want to happen in our lives. That, And I want you to understand something, and I've said it before, that our wills are still relevant. We don't throw away our wills. But God wants our wills to be conformed to his will. He wants us to will. He wants us to want to. He wants us to, to have an itinerary. He wants us to, to have a vision. He wants us to have goals. And they come from our will. But he wants our will to be directed, governed, shaped by his will. And that's the challenge this morning, is to be, be challenged by the word as to how our wills can conform to his will and glorify him through that, allowing his will to be taking place on earth as it is in heaven. I'd like now to turn to Mark chapter 3, verse 31. And following, um, several verses. And there came then his brethren and his mother, and standing without, sent unto him, calling him. And the multitude said about him, sat about him, and they said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren without seek for thee. And he answered them, saying, Who is my mother or my brethren? And he looked around about on them that sat about him and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. Behold, my mother and my brethren. And he was looking at them when he said it. For, for whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother and my sister and my mother. <clears throat> An indication here that if we do the will of God, we have a relationship with Jesus. And for us to have a relationship with Jesus, we will conform to the will of his father and to his will. Of course, his will is the will of his father. And that's the example that he gives, he gives us. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26, we have this verse, uh, several verses, 26 through 28. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know that what we should pray for, I'm going to read that over again. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. For we know not... For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. And that last phrase, according to his purpose, is actually another way of saying according to his will. 
I want us to notice these verses just a little bit. To notice that he says that we don't really know how to pray properly in our finiteness, in our humanity. We cannot really fully understand the mind of God and his will. And so it says that that we, we need the spirit to help us to pray properly because for us to pray effectively, and we'll see this in a few verses later on, that to pray effectively is to be able to pray according to the mind and will of God. When we can do that, then we give God liberty to do exactly what we ask because we've asked him to do exactly what he wants to do. But according to this scripture, that's a pretty difficult assignment for us as humans. And so there's a way that we can allow that to happen and it's according to our love for God, our desire to be in his will, our desire for his will to come and our submission to surrender to that and the Holy Spirit can work through that and take our prayers and perfect them before God. It's a little hard to understand, but it's a reality that, I, that I'm convinced is a very real reality. And so when our love brings us to the point of our will being completely surrendered to God's will, then God fills in the blanks. It's kind of like we give God a blank check and he can fill in the details. He can fill in what he wants. If we're praying half-heartedly and we really have the motivation to have our way and not God's way, we kind of want both. We're not willing to give up some things and we know it then we're limiting God in what he can do to answer our prayers. <clears throat> I'd like to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 3 through 7. Actually, I'm, I'm going to back up a couple of verses here. Um, I'm going to begin at the beginning of, verse, of chapter 8. Moreover, brethren, we do, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves I want to just pause there to say, notice it says to their power. They had power because of their, their desire, their desire to, to show God's love to others in giving. And they were, they were actually suffering affliction themselves, but it was that out of the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty, they were willing to be more, more in poverty to, to share with others. And it goes on to say, and they didn't just share their money. It says, praying for us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. <clears throat> that this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and in utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. And this grace also is referring to their willingness to share of their financial means with others. The sacrifice they were willing to make physically, financially. But he says this 
is added to the other aspects of your relationship with God and your, your willingness to do his will. It talks about their faith, their utterance, uh, their knowledge that, that, that grows as they reach out to God. And it mentions their diligence. And this is one that comes up a couple times in these, in this reading, these uh, verses that I'm reading. This is one that's challenged me in a special way. How diligent am I to daily find and know and follow the will of God? You know, I'll admit there are days that at the end of the day, I realize I pretty much live my life today based on just where my mind and my thoughts and my desires took me. Not that it was bad, but did I put the diligence into connecting with what God wanted to happen? Did I make decisions based on the spirits uh, putting his finger on what he really wanted out of me today? That was, that's been a real challenge to me. You know, some of the ministry could tell you that, that I've done this in our minister's meetings. When we meet, rather than have a devotional period that somebody chooses a scripture to read beforehand, uh, I challenge the ministry and, and the ministerial teams that I work with. When we come together for a meeting, I say, all right, this is your time to share what you meditated on today from what you read in your devotions this morning. Haven't I done that, John? I think so. I know I've done it in the other groups. And one reason I started doing that is because I realized I needed to be challenged along that line. Do I meditate? Do I take what I relate to God about in the morning? Do I take it with me during the day? Or do I just leave it there? I, I have my devotions. I've, I've finished that part of my life. That capsule closes, and I live my life. Scriptures tell us to meditate on the things of his word, to meditate on the things that, that we learn, that we that relationship reality. We meditate on it. We, we let it blossom. We let it take root. We let it grow in our life experience during the day. And that that is important, but it's a challenge. But if we're doing that, we are opening ourselves to the will of God, to God's will to be presenting itself and showing itself through our life experience. Now I want to move on to Galatians chapter 1, several verses here, Galatians 1, 3 through 5. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from the present evil world according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. <clears throat> we live in an evil world. We live in an ever-increasingly evil world. And Mark, I think, kind of alluded to some of this. And Brother Mark, I want to tell you, I, I appreciated those comments. Just, just keep it in our minds that, and, and we're going to read some verses here this morning uh, along this line too, that Jesus is going to come back for a bride without blemish, perfected. And we're not only going to be perfected and prepared to go along with that homecoming as we are seeking the mind of God and the will of God and, and allowing him to, to uh, direct our, our way toward him. In other words, he's only coming back for those who are looking for him. And if we're not mindful of knowing the will of God, uh, we're probably not very mindful of 
his plan to come back to the church. Maybe the day he plans to come. A challenge to me. <clears throat> but his, his will is to deliver us from this present evil world. Delivering us from the temptations or from yielding to the temptations of the evil world. And at some point he will come and deliver us from this evil world. That's the plan. That's his will. I hope that we can be aligning ourselves with that on a regular basis in a way that it, it prepares our hearts for that reality to happen. Ephesians 6, 5. I need to move along here. <clears throat> Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and singleness of heart of your heart unto, unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. And God will, God and good, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever the good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Colossians 4.12. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that she may stand perfect and complete where? In the will of God. I just want to say with that verse, I'd like to challenge each one of us to be an apophis. How much do you pray for your brother and sister in this congregation that they can be perfect in the will of God? I hope it's happening. I just want to challenge us that if it's not as much as it could be, that we, we improve in that. You know, there is, there is power in prayer. And we each need each other's prayers. But it's interesting. This was the focus of his prayer. They stand perfect in the will of God. Moving on. <clears throat> Ephesians 6, 5. <clears throat> no, I'm sorry. We're down to first... Thessalonians 4. I want to read a number of verses here. First, Thessalonians 4, beginning at verse 1. Furthermore, then, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus that ye, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God so you would abound more and more. <clears throat> this is a reference to living in the will of God. <clears throat> he goes on to say, For ye know that what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not to the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God." And who hath also given unto us his Holy Spirit. <clears throat> but as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God.
to love one another. And indeed, ye do it toward all the brethren which are in Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more, and that ye study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands, as we command you, that ye may walk worthy, excuse me, walk honestly toward them that are without, and that ye may have lack of nothing. An interesting combination of ideas here that go into the, the mind of God, the will of God. That we walk and live a life in all honesty toward those that are without, but also uh, protecting our, our moral stand before God, that we not allow the lust of the flesh to express themselves and destroy our relationship with God, with others, and even ourselves. First Thessalonians 5.11 Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and to be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men, see that none render evil for evil to any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. <clears throat> Verse 16, rejoice evermore. Now these are, these are things that are, are God's will, and they're kind of outlined in this passage. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. He goes on to give some more. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesyings, or despise not the sermons that come on Sundays. Prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that hath called you, who also will do it. A reference there to being pre prepared, having our souls blameless, because Jesus is coming. <clears throat> Double verses in Hebrews 10. Actually, yeah, two verses there, um, Hebrews 10, 35 and 36. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. And I just want to pause here to say another way of saying your faith in the promises of God. Cast them not away, but make them strong. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. And so we don't always experience the fullness of the promises that are given us. But they develop and they become a reality as we exercise faith, patience, and forbearance in our, our walk as we wait on God. First Peter 2.15 says, And so is the will of God, that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. And on down further in that passage in verse 19 says, For this is thankworthy, if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully, for what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? But if when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God, or this is according to God's will. <clears throat> for even hitherunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that ye should follow his steps. Suffering is something that we often feel like is not right. It's something that's maladjusted. It's, it's just not to be experienced 
God loves us. We shouldn't have to suffer. The truth is, Jesus was our example in how you deal with suffering. And that was, he, by the power of God, committed his soul to the one who is faithful, it says in one place in Scripture. And that's the example for us. <clears throat> Moving on. A good bit I wanted to read from, from 1 Peter uh, chapter 3, verse, beginning verse 8. Finally, be ye all of one mind, have compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrawise blessing, knowing that ye are thereto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. And let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. Why? Does that sound like observing God's will? Verse 12, for the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto the prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is it, he that will harm you, if ye be followers of that which is good? But, and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Or, connect with the will of God in your hearts. And be ready always to give an answer. To every man that asketh you the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Now look, look at 1 Peter 4. <clears throat> this another passage that indicates how we allow suffering to glorify God. Beginning at verse 1. I won't read all these verses. But I want to wind up at verse 19. But verse 1, chapter 4. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, for he that has suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will, notice this, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. We walked in lascivious lust, excessive wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolaters, wherein they think it strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. Who shall, who shall give account of him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead? For for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, or those that are in sin, that they might be judged according to, the, to, according to men in the flesh, or compared to or evaluated according to their fleshly reality, but live according to the spirit of God in the spirit, taking on the will of God. Verse seven, but to the end of all things, but, but the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch into prayer. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Dropping down to uh, verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice, inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Skip over to verse 16. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to, according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing, as unto a faithful creator. That's the antidote for suffering, is to commit ourselves. It's, it's an act of faith, of giving it to God and, and telling him about it and then allowing his grace 
to give us what we need to deal with the issues that surround our suffering. Moving on to 1 John 2, verse 17. And the world passeth away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. <clears throat> now I'd like to, to shift gears a little bit and look at a passage in Daniel that <clears throat> um, has to do with something that was written that Nebuchadnezzar wrote. Um, after he had been um, turned out to eat grass as an animal, he was humiliated. At the end of those seven years, he came back and, and he made this statement, beginning in Daniel 4, verse 34. And at the end of days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes into heaven, and my understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High. And I praised and honored him that lived forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom is from generation to generation, and all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? An acknowledgement that God is sovereign and that his will prevails even in the, in the realms of the, of the spiritual realities. God still prevails. He's in control. Now, it doesn't mean he has everything subdued, but it means that he is sovereign. And it goes on to say later, he says, Nebuchadnezzar, now I, verse 37, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth and his way judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. Now I find it so interesting, and I wonder really how Nebuchadnezzar walked after that. <clears throat> now I'd like to look at Colossians One verses nine through fourteen <clears throat> begins this way. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, that is, they heard of the faith and 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 the pros spiritual prosperity of the Colossian church, we do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of His will, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, be fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. And I reflect back to what Brother Mark shared in the opening in, in his prayer. Strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in life, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Do you see God's will being expressed and delineated in those verses? <clears throat> Looking at John, 1 John 5, 14. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. We've already referred to this earlier. But this is, this, this is coming from, from John's writing. Verse 15, And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. In other words, surrender to his will opens that door. Hebrews 13, 20 through 21. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, 
through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will. Working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. How much of this is really happening on a daily basis? Is this where the rubber meets the road? These are the kind of questions I've been asking myself. Is God pleased with the way I'm allowing him to make things happen in my life for his glory? Walking in, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. Making you perfect, make you perfect in every good work. And it goes on to say, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. John chapter 14, verse 21. Thinking now of, of his God's will given as commandments. And he, hath, and he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved to my father. And so on. <clears throat> In 1 Corinthians 14, 37, it says, If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. Paul writing that, that God's will is being transmitted to you in the things he's giving me to give you his commandments. And John echoes this. 1 John 2, 4 says, He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar. Then in verse 20, uh, chapter 3, verse 22, he says, and whatsoever we ask, we receive because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And in verse 24 says that he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him and he in him and hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us. I like to read a psalm, Psalm 40. Verse 1 through, through verse 5. And I'm reading this because I wanted us to, to realize that we're, we are imperfect and we don't get it all done right. And that doesn't mean that we don't qualify to be called saints. But what qualifies us to continue on and to have the help of God is our attitude, our, our desire to get it right even though we have made mistakes. In, in 1 John, it says that, that if, we, if we fall, if we fail, if we sin, we have an advocate, Jesus Christ, who is willing to hear our, our, our confession and give us right standing to, to continue. I want you to hear the humanity in this psalm and also an acknowledgement of how we continue on. Psalm 40, verse 1 says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry, he brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of a miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust the Lord. Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord my God, are the wonderful works which thou hast done. And thy thoughts, which are to usward, that cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Dropping down to verse 8. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips, O Lord, thou knowest. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation 
I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. Withhold not thou thy tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let thy loving kindness and thy truth continue to preserve me. And then on down in verse six, verse 16 and 17. Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. But I am poor and needy. Yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Thou art my help and my deliverer. Make no tearing, O my God. He expresses his desire to be what God wants to be, but he acknowledges his humanity in it. And all of us need to be able to identify with that. But it's acknowledging that and, and continually seeking God with a heart of faith that allows us to, to grow in wisdom and knowledge and understanding and to be filled more fully and completely with the Holy Spirit. I'd like to read yet from Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 to 27. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. Then shall I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Wherefore, whosoever heareth these things of mine and doeth them, or in other words, stretches our 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 hand, our, our, our hand of faith for God to hold on to and take us through. I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rains descended and the floods came. The wind blew and beat upon that house and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. <clears throat> and everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. I conclude with that, those verses. Not to think about the negative aspect of that, but to be challenged by that. That if we have a will, and our will is resigned, and continue, we continue to resign our will to the will of God, that he will put us on a solid foundation. And he will allow us to build a house that is according to his will and his purposes. Will it always be perfect? No. Will we need to reach out to him and, and, and ask for forgiveness and for more grace? Yes. But if we ignore our responsibility to have that heart of surrender, of confession of wrong, and we kind of take it upon ourselves to believe that we got salvation, we got it made, and now we do what we want in life, basically. We, we just ask God's blessing on our life to do what we want to do. That's a, that's a house being built on sand. It's a warning to us to not find ourselves there, but daily allow God to bring about his will in our life as we surrender and reach out and pray and ask and allow the Holy Spirit to control the way we go for his glory. Does anyone have... 10, 11, or 12th point to add. But you don't have to now. But I'd like for you to exercise the admonition I gave you this morning. Meditate. So meditate on these things. And 
hopefully you'll come up with one or two things that I didn't read or mention that would classify as honor the, the will of God in your life. Let's have a song.